Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Orange and the Green podcast. I am Matt Slocum here and, and as you could tell with the Latin American music at the beginning, uh, that means winter has arrived in central New York and, uh, and boy did it arrive. I mean I live in a small town here in Oswego County called Mexico and uh, no it's, it's, it's I know it's weird so people say well where are you from and I go I'm Mexico just south of Texas north of Phoenix. And people are like, what? <laughs> you know, and they get confused like that. But, you know, that's just the standard joke around here. But anyway, we have about at least a good 8, 9, maybe even 10 inches on the ground right now. And, uh, you know, it's a sign of things to come. And, uh, you know, as they say, it can only get better. Um, at least that's what they keep telling me. It only gets better as, you know, the winter goes on. But uh, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some college football. Um, you know, the college football season ended this past Saturday uh, with the annual Army-Navy game. I'll get into a little bit of that later, but I want to first start off by talking about my Syracuse football team, who, you know, struggled. And, you know, it was expected. Team didn't really finish as well as I would have liked. Um, but you know, first year head coach, new offense, new, uh, new system, new defense, and yeah, it was just a tough year. It really was a tough year. And, uh, you know, as we look at the schedule, you know, they ended up finishing the year four and eight. Not surprised. They ended up on a four-game losing streak, you know, and they had an outside chance of making the playoffs. But you know, four, eight, two, and six—that's actually something pretty good. I mean, the schedule is tough every year, and next year's schedule, which I'll get into later, is not going to look any easy. <laughs> it's not going to look any easier. Um, well, you know, there were some good things. I mean, you take a look, looking at the schedule right now. There was only one, well, no, there's a couple games in which they didn't score more than 10 points. Only two games. I, I don't know about you, but that's improvement. And there were both losses, by the way. First one was October 8th at Wake Forest. That game took place when Hurricane Matthew, no relation to me, I mean, people ask me, it's your fault that Hurricane Matthew struck the East Coast. I'm like, hey, everybody else is named Matthew around here. So, you know, give me a break. <laughs> In other words. But, um, again, that that was a tough game. It was a wet, rainy night. And, you know, I'm surprised Wake Forest got 28 on the board. <laughs> to be honest. But Wake Forest this year was pretty good. So, and then the second game, where they didn't score more than 10, was... Uh, on the road at Clemson, which, you know, who's going to score against Clemson? They're in the college football playoff now. Um, and, I, and I'll get to more about that here in a minute. But again, that was a game where they lost 54 to nothing. <laughs> and, but every other game, they scored more than 10 points. Um, but the most they scored in a game, 61 in a losing effort. That was the last game of the season at Pittsburgh. I don't know what both coaches were thinking. 
This is two, about two, three weeks ago, mind you. And it was like both coaches decided not to play defense. Syracuse only lost by 15. But they lost in style. If I do say so myself, at least on offense, they they lost in style. And losing by 15 to a Pittsburgh team that is known for putting points on the board, um, I'm impressed. And I think, last I checked, that is the highest scoring game in ACC history. Highest scoring. Think about that. 76 plus 61, a total of 137 points scored between both teams. Nice. Again, it ends up in a losing effort for Syracuse, but, you know, hey. Take what you could get. A few highlights on the year. Uh, beating Colgate, you know, beating UConn, those were expected. But I think the main highlight this year was the win over then number 17 Virginia Tech. 31 to 17. That was a that was a good win. Also beating Boston College, that was pretty big too, but then losing your last four and again, it was an outside shot um for Syracuse to make a bowl game. But, you know, hey, at least they gave it their all. So what does that mean for next year? It means a lot. Because next year will be year two. And a lot of people, including those on ESPN's ACC blog, I was actually looking at their mail blog post yesterday, and a question was asked, how do you think Cuse will do next year? And Matt Fortuna, who is, or no, David Hale, excuse me, um, said, I expect Syracuse to be pretty good. Six and six is not a reasonable goal. And that leads me into the next bit, which is the future opponents. Otherwise known as the 2017 schedule. The non-conference games are not going to be pretty. Let's just say. They still have to schedule at least one more. At least one more. They don't have to play Notre Dame. Not next year they don't, but the following year they do. But in 2017, so far, these are the three non-conference games that they've got scheduled. September 9th against Middle Tennessee. September 16th at home against Central Michigan. Then the big one. September 23rd at Louisiana State. Talk about ouch. That game's on the road. If I'm Syracuse right now, you know, looking at the schedule next year, not going to be pretty. Because look at what they got for conference home games. They're playing BC, Clemson, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest at home. They got to go to Florida State. They got to go to Louisville. They got to go to Miami. That's right. We play the Miami Hurricanes next year and NC State. That's the 28-17 conference schedule in terms of who's Syracuse playing. We all know Clemson's probably going to take a step back. Not too much of a step back. They still should compete. 
Florida State is expected to be, they'll probably be unbeaten. This year's team ended up finishing with three losses. I think they're going to have at least one, if not two, next season. Florida State's going to take a huge step. I wouldn't be surprised if they go unbeaten. Louisville, <coughs> they got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, which again, t- you know, talk more about that here in a minute. But uh, Louisville is up there on the list as well. And, and you got to go to Florida State, and you got to go to Louisville next year. Plus, you got to play Clemson at home. This doesn't look pretty at all. Wake Forest might take a step back. They're going to lose a, a couple of key components next year. I think they're losing their quarterback and John Wolford. Um, so Wake Forest will take a step back. Boston College might take a leap forward because they made it to a bowl game this year and Syracuse didn't, which is pretty sad when you think about it. The, only, the other team that didn't make a bowl game out of the ACC was Virginia. And they they also had a tough first year under Bronco Mendenhall. So, as of right now, you know, again, looking at the 2017 schedule, we know of three games for certain. The 9th, 16th, and the 23rd. Two home games and then one on the road at LSU. Oh, boy. Um... But again, looking at some future opponents, I mean, they got Army, but that's not for another seven years. You know, again, they'll have to play UConn again at home two years from now, 2018. But, you know, again, they, they still got to schedule one more non-conference game. My bet it's probably going to be Colgate or some similar FCS opponent. I mean, come on, Syracuse has got to be favored in at least one game next year. <laughs> but um, but looking at the roster, a lot of seniors are gone. Dungy is coming back for another year. Um, and also, again, David Hale is saying that Dungy could be a Heisman contender for Syracuse next season. That is, if he stays healthy. Um, I could see that, but I don't see Dungy in the conversation at all. But there's going to be a lot of things that Syracuse needs to uh, adjust. Uh, Antoine Cordy's coming back. They lose Amba Etatawo, uh, who by far gave Syracuse hope. But Steve Ishmael will be back on the receiving end of things. Also, uh, you know, Corey Winfield is coming back as well. Sean Riley's returning uh, in terms of wide receivers. Uh, Devin Butler is coming back. Er Phillips is coming back as well. So, yeah, sure, you lose Amba Atawo, who was your primary, your primary go-to guy in terms of receiving. But, you know, you're still returning a good core of receivers back. Dungy's gonna, still going to have a ton of weapons to throw to. I'm pretty impressed. On the running back side of things, once one thing Syracuse didn't do this year was to establish a good ground game. You know, and that could have helped certainly against you know in that game against Wake Forest when they were busy battling Hurricane Matthew, and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna win that battle. But in terms of the running backs, Dante Strickland coming back, 
that should be good news. Um, this is coming back running back wise. Uh, Moneal. Moneal returning. Freshman. We got young uh, Jordan Fredericks coming back. A lot of young running backs coming back. So, a running back and wide receiver. Great playmakers on both sides of the. Uh, on in both the running game and the passing game. That's good news for the offense. The offensive line is definitely one you have to take a look at. Um, Omari Palmer is gone for the Orange. Also, Michael Lasker is also gone as well. So, a lot of work needs to be done. A lot of young guys in the offensive line. And a lot of young guys got a lot of playing time. And, and I think that's an added benefit. Even though it doesn't... You don't see it as a benefit short term. But in long term, if you think about it for next season, all these guys are coming back because this year's offensive line was pretty much a patchwork. All these young guys who had to fill in the slots this year, they're going to have a ton of experience. Of course, you're going to need a new center because Emmerich uh, graduated, and unfortunately his season ended early because of an injury. So he's gone. But, you know, when you think about it, I, I think the offense is just going to get better. Of course, the big question becomes, can Eric Dungy stay healthy? That's the big question. Can Dungy stay healthy? On defensive side, this is where, again, some aspects, you know, again, looking at some of the DBs. Let's look at defensive backs, because the secondary is always a huge thing. They lose Wayne Morgan. As I mentioned, Antoine Cordy's coming back, which is going to be big. He's going to be back for senior year. Hopefully he'll stay healthy. Cordy Winfield is coming back. Evan Foster played some minutes, got in some action. A lot of freshman DBs. Anthony Lombardi, Carl Jones, um, Dalvin Ellison. You know, coming back. A young secondary. It was a young secondary this year, but they got experience, which is what you need. And with Cordy and... Who did I say the other one? Oh, yeah. Um, Cordy Winfield coming back. With Cordy and Winfield back, that secondary is going to have some depth to it. In terms of linebackers... Um, again, a pretty young linebacking core. Zaire Franklin is coming back. <laughs> Zaire Franklin was just a junior this year. He's coming back for one more year, and boy, oh boy, does he want a chance to, to redeem himself. You know, he was leading the D. He's got one more year. I think he's going to have a fantastic... <laughs> Excuse me, fantastic year at linebacker. Especially anchoring the middle. That's going to be big. And then on the defensive line, again, pretty young. Um, Jaquan Nelson. Um, Kayton Samuels. Bunch of good players. I mean, they, you lose Hearns Laguerre. 
Um, but I don't think he played that much. But again, defensive-wise, defense is going to improve. They got a year under the new system. Make some tweaks to it. Hopefully the recruiting, because recruiting pretty much starts now for Syracuse. It starts now. They're not going to a bowl game. They could get some good recruits to come play football at Syracuse, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, to add some more depth to it. Then we got ourselves something good. So, I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. The future looks a little bit brighter for Syracuse football. It does. It looks brighter. The schedule is not going to be easy. It all depends upon how the ACC decides to schedule their conference games and where do they put Syracuse's winnable games versus their tough games. And again, they got to go to Florida State. They got to go to Louisville on the road. They got to play Miami, who is also rising this year as their ACC coastal opponent that they got to rotate. Of course, they play Pittsburgh every year, which is the other coastal. But, you know, that's, that's you know, the schedule is weird. You have to play one permanent coastal opponent, and in this case, that's Pittsburgh or Syracuse. And the other, and then you have another coastal game that rotates every year. You, you, get, you get to play one co- other coastal opponent every, like, five, six years or something like that. And it's weird, but that's how the schedule works. All depends upon where they get the easy ones and where they get, you know, the quote-unquote easy ones. Not all of them are going to be easy. And where they get their hard ones. My guess is that they're probably going to schedule Clemson sometime in probably late October, early November. That's, and again, that's a home game. If they put Florida State Louisville back-to-back, I'm not going to be happy about that either. So it all depends upon where they decide to put them. But as of right now, the future is looking pretty bright for Dino Babers' second year. It's bright. Offense is clicking. The offense is scoring, as evidenced by their last game against Pittsburgh. So, you know, the sky's the limit right now. You know, and I have to agree with David Hale on this one at ESPN. I think 6-6 six and six is not that bad of a goal. Will that get him a bowl game? Depends. This year, they didn't really need to put any 5-7 teams into bowl games this year. I don't think one bowl game this year, and we'll, and we'll go over it, I don't think one bowl game this year has a 5-7 team in it. They filled every eligible bowl slot. So, you know, and Syracuse finished the year 4-8, and eight, so it doesn't really matter. But if you think about it, if Syracuse had finished five and seven, you know the only way that could have happened was if they won their last one of their last four games in November. Then, you know, like I said, anything can happen. But that's it about that for now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Army Navy, the Army Navy game on Saturday. was amazing. I didn't watch it in full on Saturday. 
I'm gonna admit that now. I actually ended up watching a YouTube video on it. But watching the game, you knew Army went into that game looking to end that streak. And oh boy, was it good. You know, you look... Let's look at the box score, because... <laughs> uh, boy. Navy came into this game. They had... Here's the thing. Navy came into their tilt with Army. Knowing pretty much that they were behind the eight ball. Navy came in after last week playing in the AAC title game and losing badly to a good Temple team. I know, it's weird. Good and Temple in the same sentence. I, I used to remember back in the day when Temple didn't do as good. But now Temple's Temple's better than Syracuse, which is bleh, scary. Um, But it, that's beside the point. This game was dominated a lot by rushing, and it always is. Both teams run the option. You know, the triple option offense... Not everybody likes to see it, but when these two teams take the field, that's when you love seeing it. And, but looking at the passing, I mean, Navy lost their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. They put in um, their quote-unquote third string, and I can't remember his name, but he was supposed to be pretty much carrying the clipboard. But he got hurt with a foot injury in that AAC title game against Temple. And he was out. So Navy had to stick with their third string quarterback, Zach Abbey. Who pretty much had a pretty good game. Not maybe so good passing wise, but rushing. He led the team in rushing in this game. Passing wise, 6 of 10, 89 yards, 2 picks. But... Rushing the ball, he had 19 carries, 73 yards, two rushing touchdowns. His longest run was 41 yards. Um, so, and they also had injuries on a bunch of other fronts. So the midshipmen were in not pretty much not in not in good shape, not good shape. But Army, the Black Knights went out, and they wanted to win. They wanted to end the streak. Remember, Navy had a 15-game win streak heading into this one. They played 15... The last Army win was in 2001. December 3rd, 2001. Of course, everybody remembers that game. It was the game after 9-11. People needed some unity. And Army went out and won. But in the 15 years since, Navy has won the last 15 contests. Until Saturday. Quarterback Ahmad Bradshaw. Didn't have a good day passing. 2 of 4, 35 yards, 1 pick thrown. But, look at the rushing. Seven different 
players carry the ball at least once for Army. Navy only had three. Army had seven. Leading the way was Kel Walker. 16 carries, 94 yards. Andy Davidson got the most carries. He had 28 for 87, but he had two touchdowns. But Ahmad Bradshaw, 9 carries, 51 yards, plus the game winner. And right here is the game-winning touchdown as done by Vern Lundquist of CBS, which we'll talk more here in a minute. Hope it always is a standalone game. Second down and eight, trading by three. Bradshaw! Bradshaw! Touchdown, Army! And that, my dear friends, is how Army beat Navy for the first time in 15 years. <clears throat> and real quick, I want to talk a little bit about Vern Lundquist. A guy who called his last ever college football game on CBS. Um, big fan of mine in terms of... I'm a big fan of his in terms of broad, his sports broadcasting. Vern Lundquist is one of those guys who... Just, you know, it's a, he made broadcasting college football in art form. Doing all those games for uh, the SEC on CBS and doing it all these years. And it's a shame now he's gone. I mean, he's leaving college, he's, he's leaving the SEC on CBS. He hasn't left CBS totally. But he'll be back for, as he said, for March Madness and... The Masters um, on the 16th in the tower on the 16th green you know and it's really you know a big important he plays a big important role and that's and it's good for him to, to hear him call that and I needed to include that call and you know but again Army with its first win over Navy in 15 years I usually root for Navy every single game, but it's 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 nice to actually be on. You know, you know. Secretly, I root for Army to win because I'm hoping they win in once at least once in my lifetime, and they finally got it this year. So, but I kept thinking to myself, I actually had this weird thought after I found out Army won. I'm like, has the World Cup to an end yet? Cubs won the World Series, and now Army beat Navy. I th this this year has been crazy in terms of sports, but anyway, let's talk one more time. Finally, here this last bit. Let's talk the bowl schedule. It all starts this Thursday. They got five bowls on tap. Um, they got five bowls on tap starting Thursday. And so here it is from the Air Force Reserve Celebration Bowl starting again Thursday. Actually, it might be Friday. It says on the 17th. What's today? Today's the 12th, so it's actually this Saturday. 
Uh, it's actually Friday or Saturday this week. No, it's Saturday. I'm sorry. Saturday is when it all starts. Five bowl games on tap. And, uh, again, as I stated earlier in this podcast, not one team finished with a 6-6. and six, uh, Not one team is on here that finished 5-7 and seven on the air. So they didn't have to fill any extra bowl slots. But, you know, five games <coughs> coming up. Um, and, again, some really good bowl games. Um, but what I really want to get to is the college football playoff. December Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Number four, Washington against number one, Alabama. Esta Bowl down in University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale. From the SEC, one from the ACC, one from the Big Ten, and one from the Pac-12. Team. Four teams are from all different conferences, which is good. Clemson. That should be a good one. Deshaun Watson going up against the Buckeyes. Good season. And, you know, that it's a season which Pac-12 finally made it to a bowl game. At least to the college football playoff. Push comes to shove. They ended up winning the Pac-12 championship game. It is this for from here till doomsday. But, you know, it's still not going to change anything. Um, but then we go into the New Year's Six, which is interesting, by the way because they're not going to be playing on New Year's Day. Because this year, New Year's Day falls on a Sunday. And they don't want to compete with the NFL, so they pushed all the quote-unquote New Year's Day Bulls to January 2nd, which is that Monday. It all starts at 1 o'clock with the Outback Bowl, number 17 Florida, taking on Iowa. That's at 1 o'clock, also at 1 on ESPN. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl, number 15 Western Michigan against number 8 Wisconsin. The Rose Bowl is going to be pretty fun too. I like, I like this game. Number 9 Southern Cal against number 5 Penn State. I like it. There's a reason why I like it. Penn State had a pretty good year. They, but then the All-State Sugar Bowl, number 14 Auburn against number 7 Oklahoma. That should. There's only four of them. Florida, Iowa, eh, that's a good way to get things started. Pretty good, too. Western Michigan against Wisconsin, that should be a good matchup. You have the Wisconsin's a loser, but in this particular case, they did lose the Big Ten Conference game, so, yeah. No offense, Badgers fans out there. The Rose Bowl is going to be awesome. I think the Trojans and the, and, and the Nittany Lions will have a fantastic game on their hands. And I hope everybody tunes in. And the game's going to be on ESPN. That game should be on ABC. That It should be. And I don't know why it isn't. But it should be. And again, like I said, the Sugar Bowl at 8.30 in the, in the Superdome. Those are good bowl games. And you know, who said the New Year's Six Bowl is a consolation prize for not making the playoff? If I'm Penn State and Southern Cal, that Rose Bowl game, that's pretty good. I'll take it for what it's worth. So you're probably wondering, where does... I know, weird... They couldn't put the Orange Bowl on January 2nd, but no, they had to put it... They're going up against Florida State. That game also should be pretty good. No. Because every single team that made it to a bowl game this year deserves it. You know, 
less bowl games now. You know, the bowl season really only goes until January 2nd now this year. College football playoff actually goes to January 9th. But, you know, that, that I mean, that's a week. That's one week following the last few bowl games. So, finally, real quick, let's talk about the Heisman Trophy. Heisman Trophy awarded to Lamar Jackson on Saturday night. Fully deserved it. I mean, no one deserves it more than him. So, again, you know, Lamar winning. A lot of people, the ESPN experts were saying that, you know, Lamar's candidacy was going down. But really, all in all, did it really matter that Louisville was not playing in the ACC title game? They're going to a good bowl, going to the Citrus Bowl to take on Louisiana State, which should be a good matchup. You know, what Lamar Jackson did this season, he deserves the Heisman. I mean, good for him. System is flawed. You know, it's influenced. Then that, I don't like it either. But there's no that Lamar Jackson is the winner of this Heisman Trophy. Had a fantastic year. You know, and as much as Clemson, even though he's a junior... Um, this is his last chance to to win the Heisman in this year's draft. But you know, besides the point, Watson just didn't every year. Uh, not this year at every way, because of all the numbers he put up, he didn't win it. This year, his rushing totals were down. His passing totals went up. He was a better pass struggle during the beginning of the year. As well, they had to win some close games, even though they were unbeaten. They, but in, in terms of Lamar Jackson, what he was able to do, we can argue again, just like the college football playoff, we can argue from here till doomsday. If we want to, and I want to look up the looking up the voting results from, uh, so we all know it's legit. His outfit really wasn't that. Real Peppers finished in fifth. He had 208 votes. D.D. Westbrook, Mayfield, 361. Watson at 1,524. You know, and again, that is a big difference between the two of them. Gina victory for a Heisman Trophy winner this year. You know, again, it doesn't matter what you vote for. They voted, you know, did Lamar Jackson deserve this Heisman? Yes, he did. Despite the two games down the stretch, didn't make the ACC title game. Need to be a factor? No. What should matter is what he does. Voters got it right. And all five of these players that are all great players all deserve to be fans. You know, it all determines upon how the votes turn out, and in this case, Lamar Jackson he votes over Deshaun Watson. Off a Heisman winner. Plus, out of all the teams, I call that a good season. In fact, that so well that'll do it for this episode 
of the Orange and the Green podcast. Pretty sooner or later, the next episode will feature a talk about Oswego State men's hockey's first half of the season and ended in heartbreaking fashion. I can tell you that right now. Losing their last game of the first half. But you know, it may not be as bad as you think it might. I'll have more details next episode. Until then, I'm Matt Slocum, bidding you adieu. And until next time, Oswego.